Let us enter into this hour of worship, this time and space dedicated to all that is most worthy in this life, the depths and the heights of it all. Let us give our undivided attention to what really matters, just for a while. Come bringing all of who you are, all your busy thoughts and big emotions, your complications and your contradictions. Rest and quiet your weak, worn spirit, for you are here to touch again eternal springs of hope and renewal. Calm your hurried, harried pace and claim this precious chance to find perspective. For this hour, let the cares, the fretfulness, the worry be set aside. Forgive yourself. You are so very worthy of moving on, of making new efforts, of trying again. It's a new day. And know that you're not alone in all of this. There is strength and caring support for you here. You will find comfort and kindness if you but ask. Look around. You are part of this community if you choose it and you can make it what you will. So let us join our hearts together as we enter into this hour of worship, this precious hour. These opening words, adapted from a piece by Carolyn Owen Toll, they welcome all those who've gathered on Zoom this morning to take part in our Sunday service. Welcome to regular members of the congregation, to visitors from near and far, also anyone who might be watching on YouTube or tuning into the podcast at a later date. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Jane Blackall. I've been with this congregation for 22 years now. I'm currently the ministry coordinator and for just a few days more, I am a ministry student at Unitarian College. If anyone's here for the first time today, we're especially glad to have you with us. Be very welcome. Hope you find something of what you need this morning, a bit of comfort or consolation, a bit of spiritual uplift, maybe. Please do hang around afterwards for a chat or drop us a line if you'd like to. Or you might like to think about coming to one of our small group gatherings during the week to get to know people better. If you're a regular here, thanks for all you do to welcome all who come. Even while we're on Zoom, we have a part to play in co-creating this sacred space and building a beloved community. So whoever you are, however you are, know that you are welcome here just as you are. As we always say, feel free to do what you need to do to be comfortable. We like to see your faces, but it's all right to turn your camera off. And there'll be opportunities to join in as we go along, but there's no obligation to do so. Quietly lurking is definitely okay. You know how to find us if you want to say hello later on. This morning's service is all about letting ourselves and others off the hook. In the coming hour, we'll be pondering the need to balance striving for high achievement and high standards in life with the equally important need to cut ourselves and each other some slack from time to time. And we'll be thinking about this, especially in the context of these very strange times that we're living through, how important it is to recognise the cumulative toll that these last few years have taken on so many of us and not to minimise that, not to try and shrug it off or attempt to carry on as if nothing out of the ordinary has happened. So I'll light our chalice now, as we do each Sunday and at other times when we gather. This simple ritual connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the historic and proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part.
The light of this chalice is a frail thing. It may flicker in the face of trouble and anxiety. It can be snuffed out by the winds of cynicism and apathy. But may this little flame be a reminder of the power of the spirit and let us rededicate ourselves to bringing the light, the light that lifts our hearts and increases the world's joy. Let's take those joys and concerns into an extended time of prayer and reflection now. Uh, this morning's will be based on some words by the Enfleshed Collective. And let's do what we always say. Let's do what we need to do to get into the right state of body and mind to pray together. Maybe shift your position, adopt some sort of posture that feels prayerful to you. You might want to close your eyes or focus on the chalice flame. Whatever helps you get settled helps you put your heart in the right place to be fully present with yourself, with each other, and with that larger presence which holds us all. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. As we turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is. We tune in to your holy presence within us and amongst us. When so much of our world is groaning with fatigue and injustice, we are invited to turn to God and to one another. To turn to the deepest reality that we know the oneness at the heart of all. We're not meant to carry the struggles of the world alone. And so in a spirit of collective embrace this morning, may we share together in prayer for all that troubles our hearts. For all of the bodies in suffering, deprived of resources, withheld of care, made into targets of violence. Hear our prayers. For all whose spirits are in despair, those who face loss or grief, those who are isolated, those struggling to accept their own worth, Hear our prayers. For all of the ways that power is wielded over communities and individuals. For those living under oppressive forces. For the temptation towards complicity with injustice. And for the ways your name is sometimes used, God, as a weapon rather than a tool for healing and liberation. Hear our prayers. And in a few moments of silence and stillness now, let us call to mind those sufferings and struggles that weigh heavy on our hearts this day. And let us hold them gently in the light of love 
that larger love that holds us all. Just as we are not meant to shoulder the world's pain alone, we are equally invited to delight with one another in the joy that sustains us. For the beauty that grows around us and within us, we give thanks. For the gifts of sharing and relationships that transform and sustain, we give thanks. For art and music and stories and truths that foster love and connection, we give thanks. For every source of courage in the face of all that makes us afraid, we give thanks. And in a few more moments of silence and stillness, let us call to mind some of the many gifts we've been given in the week just past and inwardly treasure these blessings, be they large or small, in the spirit of gratitude. For your presence within and around us, through all our highs and lows, our hopes and our despair, God, we give thanks. Hear our prayers and deepen our willingness to show up for one another, sharing in each other's burdens and working for one another's protection and care. Spirit of life, God of all love, we offer up our joys and our concerns our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time now for our first hymn, We Light the Flame. Um, this speaks of our intentions as we join together in community. The words will appear on our screen so you can sing along if you like, or you might prefer just to listen. We'll do our best to make sure you're all muted so you can give it some welly if you want to.
The Two Voices of God by Harold S. Kushner. A few years ago, I wrote a book entitled How Good Do We Have to Be? Its basic message was that God does not expect perfection from us, so we should not demand perfection from ourselves or those around us. For God knows what a complicated story a human life is and loves us despite our inevitable lapses. As I travelled around the country talking about my book, something interesting kept happening. Although the people in my audience welcomed the message that God loved them despite their mistakes and failings, in every audience there would be a significant number of people who were uncomfortable with it. They wanted to believe that God loved them and other people loved them because they deserved it, not because God and the other people in their lives were gracious enough to put up with them. They wanted to believe that God cared about the choices they made every day, choosing between selfishness and generosity, between honesty and deceitfulness, and that the world became a better place when they made the right choices. The people in my audience felt that they had worked hard to lead moral lives. They might hope that God would make allowances for human frailty, but they would be sorely disappointed by the response, that's all right. I really didn't expect much from you anyway. My answer to them when they challenged me was that I believe God speaks to us in two voices. One is the stern commanding voice issuing from the mountain thundering, Thou shalt not, summoning us to be more, to reach higher, to demand greater things of ourselves, forbidding us to use the excuse, I'm only human because to be human is a wondrous thing. God's other voice is the voice of compassion and forgiveness, an embracing, cleansing voice assuring us that when we have aimed high and fallen short, we are still loved. God understands that when we give in to temptation, it is a temporary lapse and does not reflect our true character. Some years ago, Eric Fromm wrote a little book called The Art of Loving, in which he distinguished between what he called mother love and father love. Don't worry about the gendering. Mother love says, You are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and I will always love you no matter what. Nothing you ever do or fail to do will make me stop loving you. Father love says, I will love you if you earn my love and respect, if you get good grades, if you make the team, if you get into a good college and earn a good salary. From insists that every one of us needs to experience both kinds of loving. It may seem at first glance that mother love is good, warm and freely given, father love harsh and conditional. But as my audiences taught me, and as a moment's reflection might teach us all, sometimes we want to hear the father's message that we are loved because we deserve it, not only because the other person is so generous and tolerant. People need to hear the message that they are good. And people who are not entirely sure of their goodness may need that validation even more. Many thanks to Anthony, who squeezed in that pre-record between rehearsals at the RSC this week. We are lucky. So we've come now to a time of meditation. I'm going to share a short poem by the Unitarian Universalist Minister, Lynn Unger, to take us into this time of meditation. It's a poem called Badly that reflects on the joys, perhaps even the virtues of letting ourselves off the hook. 
I hope her words will offer some comfort or reassurance to you in relation to your own struggles. The poem will be followed by a few minutes of shared stillness during which we'll have our chalice cam on screen. And the silence will come to an end with a chant which will be familiar to some of us, meditation on breathing. Um, Marilisa is singing it for us this time. Feel free to join in if it is familiar to you. So again, let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable, have a wiggle if we need to, perhaps put your feet flat on the floor to help ground and steady yourself. As we let these words from Lynn Unger take us into our meditation. Anything worth doing is worth doing badly. No one ever did something well without doing it poorly first. But if we're gonna get real, the chances of your ever getting really good are slim at best. The Olympics and the pro leagues fled with the end of your puberty. Maybe the Nobel or Pulitzer is out there waiting, but I wouldn't hold my breath. Even on our best days, most of us are merely competent. Much of the time adequate is a stretch. Appearances aside, this might be one of the happiest things I know. I hereby absolve you of the need to be better, to be better than anyone else. Oof. It is possible to suck at things with great love. Grab your ukulele and I'll get my mandolin. Meet me out on the porch. We'll play together, under tempo and slightly out of tune.
When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, when I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, when I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, when I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, when I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, when I breathe in, I'll breathe in. When I breathe out, when I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in. bonus reading for you this week um, it is a bit longer than I would usually read but it really touched my heart when I read it for the first time this week I think you'll like it too it's a piece by Sarah Bessie and it's called A Reminder you don't have to be productive and you don't have to change the world you're already so loved you don't have to be smart you don't have to be simple you don't have to read all the right books by the right people. You're already so loved. You don't have to be beautiful or thin with an articulated and ironic fashion sense, not at all. But if you're into that kind of thing, that's okay too. You don't have to be healthy in your mind or your body. You can watch trashy television or you can be proud of your televisionless home. You can be artistic or scientific. You can spend your life traveling to meet people or you can live and die in the town where you were born. You don't have to conform to someone else's ideas of holy or acceptable. You can be from the wrong side of the tracks or the gated community, the suburbs or urban or rural. You can work with your hands and your mind, your back and your brain. You don't have to be educated, not at all. You don't have to have a degree or letters after your name. You don't have to know the right people and boast a carefully curated Instagram feed with the famous and the beautiful and the influential. You don't have to identify with certain political ideologies. You can be a social justice warrior or, you know, not. None of this moves the meter of your belovedness. God won't say, oh, OK, now I love her a bit more because, look, she's finally out of debt or thin or powerful or influential or tireless. Your family story can be beautiful or terrible, or like most of us, a bit of both. Perhaps you're famous or well-known or influential, that's okay. Perhaps you're quiet and unknown. Maybe you hate that, maybe you love it. You don't have to be a mother or a father. You don't have to be married or single. You don't have to want children or raise children. You don't have to be sober or clean. 
You don't have to give away everything you own and take a vow of poverty. You don't have to be prosperous either. Church or no church or a certain kind of church only, whatever. You can doubt or feel great certainty, even if that certainty is in your doubt. You can believe in God, doubt God, seek God. You can be someone well acquainted with unanswered prayers. You can carry chronic pain or dance through life. You can be introverted or extroverted. You don't have to love yourself or even like yourself. You are loved. Whether your life looks well put together from the outside while hiding a hot mess inside or vice versa, sometimes on the same day, you are loved. Morning lark, night owl, sinner, saint, child of God, siblings, all of us, we are loved. You have nothing to prove, you have nothing to earn. Sure, any one of those things might change because you are loved. You may know already where God wants to breathe change and wholeness into you, bringing your life more into line with the person you were meant to be all along. Love can and does transform us in every way. Our ideology, our opinions, our habits, our values, our priorities, our very names. But it's not a prerequisite or a requirement. It's not behaviour modification. It never is, not for love. Love has happened and is happening and will happen. It is kind and patient towards you. You're already so loved. You aren't earning a breath of love or tenderness more than what you already have just by breathing, just by existing, by being here in the wonder. Your name is already written in the lines of the hands of the universe. Your star breath of dust and you are beloved intimately, faithfully, wholly. It is your lifelong rock. You are known. You are loved with delight and abundance, with choice and desire. You may feel it or you may not. You are so loved. You are so loved. You are so loved. Words by Sarah Bessie, a reminder. Just a few words from me. I wonder how many of you were glued to the Tokyo Olympics on telly this summer. Maybe not quite so many of us were watching as in years gone by, what with the inconvenient time difference to Japan and the rights being sold off so that only a fraction of the action made it to free to air channels in the UK. But even if you aren't an avid sports fan, I imagine that most of you will have heard at least something of the story of Simone Biles, US gymnast, all round legend in her own lifetime. In large part, she was the inspiration for this morning's theme. In case this story passed you by or you're a bit sketchy on the details, I want to share a little pricey that was published in The Guardian, part of a longer, uplifting article by someone called Siren Kale. The article was called Love, Courage and Solidarity, 20 Essential Lessons Young Athletes Taught Us This Summer. In that piece, Siren Kale writes this. Simone Biles widely acknowledged as the greatest female gymnast ever, arrived at Tokyo 2020 with the weight of the world on her shoulders. Commentators were predicting a clean sweep for the first woman to land a Yurchenko double pike. I could try to describe it, but I wouldn't do it justice. Just imagine the rules of gravity have been suspended. But things began to go wrong in qualifying. They fell apart when she stepped out of bounds during her floor routine, then aborted her vault in mid-air during the women's team finals, narrowly avoiding serious injury and scoring one of the lowest marks of her entire career. Biles subsequently pulled out of the women's all-around and the women's team event 
explaining that she'd lost her air awareness, a phenomenon known as the twisties, and she was struggling with her mental health. She later said it sucked not to be able to compete when she'd spent the past half decade preparing for it. She explained that she'd been inspired to talk about her mental health by watching tennis star Naomi Osaka do likewise earlier in the summer, and that she'd quit to protect her mind and body. Some armchair experts would have preferred Biles to risk her neck for their viewing pleasure, but overwhelmingly the public reaction was compassionate and supportive. Biles showed us that mental and physical health are connected and that there is no shame in quitting to prioritise your well-being. For this, and not for her Yurchenko double pike, Biles will always be the goat that is the greatest of all time. Words by Siren Kale. So in a way, Simone Biles is the very embodiment of the simple message I want to get across this morning. It is a wonderful thing to aim high, to strive for excellence, to commit ourselves to a goal or a practice or a way of being in the world. It is astonishing to see the amazing skill and verve of the likes of Biles who are masters of their art. Undoubtedly, huge sacrifices are necessary in order to reach these quite literally dizzy heights. And for some, not just those who reach the top. For some, these sacrifices will seem to be worth it. But for some people, some of the time, the cost of all this striving is just too high. It's not worth it. It's not worth the detrimental effect on mental and physical well-being, on our relationships, or on any number of other significant goods in our life. Now, this is not to endorse giving up lightly or leaving people in the lurch without good reason. But I doubt that anybody is saying Simone Biles just decided to give it a miss because she couldn't be bothered that day. Her example is a reminder that we can just say no. No, no more. Even if the eyes and the hopes of the entire world are on us, but I don't think any of us here this morning are under Olympic levels of scrutiny. That is what Simone Biles showed us this summer. We can let ourselves off the hook maybe just temporarily, taking time out, coming back to try again later, or maybe for good. Maybe a certain project or goal has had its day and our focus, our time and our energy, it needs to move elsewhere, no matter how many people are invested in us keeping on, keeping on. Because our ultimate worth does not depend on our achievement or our productivity. There's nothing special we have to do to be worthy of love and respect to earn our right to exist. As we so often say here, we believe in the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Inherent. You don't have to do anything to earn it. Now, I could stop there with this mini reflection and it would be enough. That would be your takeaway. Perhaps there are, though, a few little asterisks I could mention too. The first is to mention that many of us are kept on the hook by the economic necessities of our lives. For as long as we're embedded in this particular capitalist society, one which wants ever more of our time and energy, one which encourages the false belief that we should measure our worth by our productivity, which relies on our unhealthy culture, piggybacking on the vestiges of the Protestant work ethic. While we're stuck in this particular culture, our choices are somewhat limited often. That's an unjust pressure coming from without and one which we should collectively resist, I reckon, but it is still a reality we should acknowledge. And having said that, we often do have more choices than we think we do. It's important to remember that as well. 
letting ourselves off the hook might be the hard choice rather than the easy one, there may be consequences in this society that so often wants to use us up and burn us out for profit. But we do not have to accept and internalise those values. And for those of us that do have more choices, those that have a bit of relative privilege, it is on us to keep our eyes and ears open to the pressures that keep others unjustly on the hook in various ways, and perhaps to do what we can to disrupt, overturn, or at least ameliorate those pressures. Another asterisk to today's core message is contained in that reading from Harold Kushner that Anthony did for us earlier. There are two voices of God, two messages we need to hear, and both are true. On the one hand, we don't need to be perfect. We are inherently worthy of love, no matter what. On the other hand, it is good for us to aim high, to stretch ourselves creatively, morally, to do better, to flourish in our fullness and make the most of the life we've been given, both and. There is a tension between these two and a balance to be struck. Maybe each of us tends to have a temperamental tendency to err on one side or the other. Perhaps you tend to be pretty easygoing and don't need to be told twice to cut yourself some slack. If so, this morning's message is not news to you. But perhaps instead, you're someone who tends to be hard on yourself. Someone who's internalised those destructive messages from the society we're living in. Someone who feels that whatever you've done, whatever you've given, it's not quite enough. And if that's you, I really hope you're hearing the messages of this morning's service loud and clear. You don't have to justify your existence by working yourself into the ground and doing yourself harm. The final little asterisk I want to add to today's simple message is to put it in the context of this moment in history. The effects of living through this pandemic in particular, but also living into an increasing awareness of the increasingly obvious and scary impacts of climate change, the clear unveiling of systemic injustices, all those things that are increasingly plain to see. Several of you will have already heard me say this in other contexts, but I went to a workshop about a month ago which was, on the face of it, a training to help Unitarian leaders prepare to offer hybrid church services, services which will simultaneously bring together people in the building with people joining in online. But before the leader of this workshop, Unitarian Universalist Minister Kimberly Debus, before she said anything at all about the practicalities, she said the one thing that struck with me more than anything else that she said in that training. What she said, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, was this. Each and every one of you has endured going on for 18 months of trauma due to this pandemic, and it isn't over yet. You've all been operating in conditions of endless turmoil and uncertainty in a time of fear, in a time when you're stretched beyond recognition, amid pressures to get back to normal in all spheres of life. While everyone you know feels somewhat differently about all this, there's no consensus, and it's stressful in itself to live in this time where conflicts arise from those differences and tensions are in the air and you've come to this workshop today to learn about hybrid services which are quite a huge undertaking in themselves when you've barely had a chance to catch your breath from everything else you've had to deal with since the start of 2020 so she said let yourself off the hook you don't have to do any of it right this minute take the pressure off it's okay now of course given my job the particularities of what she said particularly spoke to my condition, but the general principle applies much more widely to each and every one of us. For the last 18 months, whatever it is we do in our life, with our work, with our relationships, 
we've been doing it through a pandemic. I don't know if you noticed. So let's not minimise or discount the impact of that. Most of us likely have a tonne of accumulated trauma that we've barely begun to process. So let's let ourselves and each other off the hook. If we need to aim a bit lower, settle for good enough instead of expecting ourselves to excel. That's the humane thing to do, to show ourselves and each other a bit of loving kindness and to make our everyday choices in that spirit, safe in the knowledge that, as Sarah Bessie put it, we don't have to be productive and we don't have to change the world for we are already so loved. And in the days and weeks ahead, may we truly take this message to heart for the greater good of all. Amen. Our second hymn today echoes this message somewhat. It's based on the words of the Buddhist metta prayer, may I be filled with loving kindness. This is a recording of our own congregation from a few years ago, so it's not the most professional of renditions, but we can let ourselves off the hook for that too. I always think it's rather lovely to hear our own voices. So feel free to sing along or just to listen. I hope this one will be going around your head for the rest of the day.
So just a few announcements now. Uh, thank you to Hannah for her first shift on co-hosting this morning. Thanks to Anthony for the reading. Thanks to Marilisa for all the lovely music. And to Janine for all uh, organisational help behind the scenes. Don't forget we have virtual coffee time after the service to chat if you'd like. If that's not your thing, as I said at the start of the service, do get in touch via email if you'd like to introduce yourself. because It is a bit harder to get to know people while we're online. We'll be back next week on Zoom at 10 when Sarah will be leading the service on bad women of the Bible. That sounds a juicy one. Do feel free to share the link with your friends. As offered, there are a number of opportunities to connect with the congregation in the days ahead. Coffee morning at half 10 on Tuesday morning, always excellent conversation, newcomers welcome. Heart and Soul, our contemplative spiritual gathering continues. This week's theme is hanging out with God. That's tonight or Friday at seven, got a few spaces left in each of those slots. Um, the congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch during the week, drop each other a line. Let's look out for each other as best we can, even in these circumstances. As hopefully you will have seen in the uh, Friday email, there's uh, a request for help from the church committee. Um, we're looking for more people to get involved behind the scenes. There are various ways in which you might be able to contribute according to how much time and energy you have, what, and what skills and interests you have. Get in touch with me or with John Humphreys if you would like to have a chat about how you can help, how you can muck in and help us to thrive in the months ahead. So just time for some closing words and closing music now. Once again, I invite you to select gallery view at this point so we can all see each other and get a sense of our gathered community as we close. As we leave this community of the spirit, may we remember the difficult lesson that each day offers more things than we can do. May we do what needs to be done, postpone what does not, and be at peace with what we can be and do. Therefore, may we learn to separate that which matters most from that which matters least of all. And in the days to come, may we show loving kindness to ourselves and to those we meet along the way, for the greater good of all. Amen. I'm trying to tell you something about my life. Maybe give me insight between black and white The best thing you've ever done for me Is to help me take my life less seriously It's only life after all Well, darkness has a hunger that's insatiable And lightness has a call that's hard to hear and I wrapped my fear around me like a blanket I sailed my ship of safety till I sank it Now I'm crawling on your shore I went to the doctor, I went to the mountain I looked to the children, I drank from the fountain There's more than one answer to these questions Pointing me in a crooked line 
The less I seek my source for some definitive, the closer I am to find. Closer I am to find. I went to see the doctor of philosophy with a poster of Rasputin and a beer down to his knee. And he never did marry or see a B-grade movie But he rated my performance and he said he could see through me I spent four years prostrate to the higher mind I got my paper and I was free I went to the doctor, I went to the mountains I looked to the children, I drank from the fountains There's more than one answer to these questions Pointing me in a crooked line The less I seek my source for some definitive The closer I am to find Closer I am to find I stopped by the bar at 3am To seek solace in a bottle or possibly a friend and I woke up with a headache like my head against a board I was twice as cloudy as I'd been the night before And I went in seeking clarity I went to the doctor, I went to the mountains I looked to the children, I drank from the fountains Yeah, we go to the doctor, we go to the mountains We look to the children, we drink from the fountains We go to the Bible, we go through the workouts We read up on revival, we stand up for the lookout There's more than one answer to these questions Pointing me in a crooked line The less I seek my source for some definitive The closer I am to find Closer I am to find Closer I am to find